I mean, it's kind of cute, right? Hello, and welcome back to Kinda Cute. And if you're new here, welcome. My name's Bailey Evan. I'm your host, and on Kinda Cute, we talk about articles from the cut and my general pop culture musings. So first off, I want to talk about my trip to Asheville last weekend. I asked y'all for Rex, didn't get any. Um, I would like it to become more interactive on Kinda Cute, but uh, I still think the places I picked out were pretty fun. And I just ate and drank the whole time. If you are like a brewery person, Asheville is the place for you. And I know a lot of people go there to get like their hike on and outdoorsy. I did none of that. Uh, The most outdoorsy I got was when I was at a rooftop bar. But it was a lot of fun. Highly recommend. Delish food. Um, You can look at my Instagram stories. Follow me at Bailey Evan. And again, you know I like to hype myself up right at the beginning. Please subscribe to this podcast. Leave it a five-star review. And I will send you a kind of cute sticker, which if I do say so myself, turned out really cute. Not even just kind of cute, really cute. And follow me at Bailey Evan and at Kind of Cute Podcast or whichever one you prefer. So I'm, for my first time on my new podcast recording setup. So I got this arm that like attaches to my desk and it has a pop filter on it. I feel pretty official, I'm not gonna lie. I'm hoping this is gonna cut down on some of my moving the mic around when you hear those like clunk clunk and maybe less uh, typing that you usually hear. So let me know if you feel like the audio has improved a little bit. Um, I got this for $23, so really, you know, busted the bank on it for the, the high class equipment, but I do hope it helps things out and makes things sound a little clearer. Uh, As another update from last podcast, I was talking about the Shane Dawson, Jeffree Star uh, collaboration on a makeup palette, and I ended up ordering that palette, and I had to pre-order it because they didn't actually have any in stock, but they were like, okay, we have enough materials to make 60,000 units, and we're going to do a pre-saw on those. And like the sucker I am, even though they said that this palette was going to be part of the permanent collection, so it's not even limited edition, I was just like, I need it. I have to have it. Um, This is what a sucker I am for marketing. And again, if you haven't watched the YouTube series on the creation of that palette, I think it's really cool and interesting. Some of the episodes are a little bit slow. I think there's five, five in total, maybe four. But I'd say overall, it's just really entertaining and really interesting and a glimpse into the makeup world that maybe you haven't seen yet. And speaking of beauty and makeup, I was reading a strategist article which if you don't know, The Strategist is also affiliated with New York Mag. So it's kind of like a little sister of The Cut, uh, maybe a big brother. I don't know, but they specialize in like cool things to buy. And a lot of times they'll have celebs on talking about things they're loving. And I don't know if I'm disturbed by this fact, if I'm proud, flattered. I'm not sure. But Jonathan Chaban, who I guess now officially goes by Food God because he changed his name to Food God, um, he uses the same like hair drying tool that I use that I think I've had in a legit shit on this podcast. And if not on this podcast, I've 100% had it on my blog. And I have kind of like the knockoff version because I think the Revlon one's about 45 or 50 and the one I have is like 25 But I'm telling you, that shit works. And I am just shook that Jonathan Chaban, who is like all about, you know, freaking diamonds on everything, diamonds on his tacos, uses the same hair tool as I do that's under $100. I'm kind of shook by it. Uh, So I just had to get that out there into the world. (laughs) Harry Styles has announced his 
upcoming sophomore album. And ironically, he's releasing it on Taylor Swift's birthday. And if you don't remember, back in the day, Harry and Taylor dated. And she wrote many a song about him. One of her best style is so very clearly and obviously about Harry Styles, like really beating you over the head with that one. But damn, I love that song. And I love One Direction's response to Taylor Swift's writings about him with the song Perfect, which is also so obviously about Taylor. It's sort of like the most obvious subtweets of all time. So I just really enjoyed that. And I like the sucker I am. On top of buying the conspiracy palette, I also bought like a $45 Harry Styles t-shirt with the, it's called Fine Line, um, the title of his next album. And I'm sure everyone is, you know, a Twitter over the fact that this might be indicating that he is, you know, towing the line between gay and straight. Anyways, I, I bought this shirt because it said you would get access to the pre-sale for one night only at the Forum, which is a venue in LA. And like the crazy person I am, I was like, yeah, maybe I'll go. Maybe I'll go. Because how cool is that? It's on the day his album comes out. He's performing the album at the Forum in LA for one night only. So I bought that stupid shirt. Did I need that shirt? No. Um, but I'm a sucker, and so I bought it to get the pre-sale. I tried to get tickets during the pre-sale today and terrifically failed. Literally by the time I got into the Ticketmaster site, there were no tickets left. So now I'm just going to have a Harry Styles t-shirt. Yay! Uh, I'm thinking about trying again tomorrow during the actual sale to the public, but... I know there's no reason for me to go to LA to this concert. Like this is why I will never actually accumulate wealth because I am so irresponsible with my money. And I hope some of you can relate because sometimes it just feels so good to do things that are irresponsible. And again, having a sharp pivot because that's what we like to do in the intro to Kinda Cute. I wanted to talk about the movie Parasite. I don't know if you guys have heard about it yet, but I feel like the internet is kind of a buzz about it. And it's definitely, I would say it's an indie movie, mainly because it is a Korean film. It's all in subtitles. And I think it's really rare to see those kind of films in your mainstream movie theater, like your AMC around the corner, you know? So we went to this theater that looks like something out of a time warp, which I really loved. It was super old school, small town, little theater. It doesn't even have stadium style seating. Just really took me back. But I really enjoyed the movie and I really recommend it. And I think since 2019 is the year of the scam, the year of the con, I think that really plays into what we're loving to see right now. We love an underdog. We love a con. And at its core, it's really just a social commentary on the wealth differential. I think that's kind of what I took away from it. But if you get a chance to go see it, even if you have to go out of your way, I do think it's worth seeing. And it probably will get put in bigger theaters soon because I think it's doing really well, even though it's not in a ton of theaters yet. So yeah, recommend that. And another little update, the Met announced its theme for its 2020 gala, and it's about time, fashion, and duration. Now, in my opinion, nothing can top camp as a theme. I think every year at the Met Gala should be camp. You know, camp is all about putting on artifice, 
extremes, the extraness of it. And I hate when people are restrained at the Met Gala. It's like the campier, the better. So I hope people take that into next year's theme. I'm thinking we're going to get a lot of dolly, drippy clocks, a lot of time period mashups. I can totally see like a flapper moment with a little bit of 80s je ne sais quoi. It's literally going to be like this season of AHS, which has like spanned like the whole century. So I'm excited for that. Now let's get into our first articles, shall we? This is called New York's Cult Fragrance Wouldn't Exist If It Weren't For Me by Jane Larkworthy. Now I have a feeling by me just saying that headline, you might have an idea about what cult fragrance this is about. So I wanted to talk about this mainly because this story shares so many fascinating facts about Santal 33, cult favorite. So this article first mentions other celebs who wear this scent like Justin Bieber, Meghan Markle, but they do not acknowledge in this article that it's rumored that Taylor Swift also wears this scent. And as the arch nemesis of JB, the fact that JB and TS are potentially out and about wearing the same scent really delights me for some reason. And even if Taylor doesn't actually wear that scent, it is proven that she does love the Santal 26 candle by Le Labo. And the candle is where this illustrious story begins. So originally Le Labo had the candle Santal 26, but it wasn't a scent to begin with because when the owners were creating it, they felt like they had a really tight lineup of scents and they didn't want to clutter it with another one that they were less sure about. And that other one that they were less sure about essentially was Santal. And to give you a little bit more background, the two people, the two men who started this were ex Estee Lauder execs. And it didn't say this in the article, and I believe one of them is French, but I think they really sort of leaned into that feeling of like, oh, we have this proprietary scent. It's so bougie. It's so French-like. Uh, kind of like what haagen did with putting the little umlaut over the letter to make it seem foreign, when in reality it's just a made-up word. Like, I think people automatically think things are cooler and more expensive and better when they seem foreign because we're gullible Americans. Hello. Guilty. So anyways, that was just a little bit of background. So Jane Larkworthy, who's the writer of the article, notes that when Le Labo started, their scents were doing well. But, she says, the candle, on the other hand, just sat there. No one noticed it. Hardly anyone bought it. Until Hotelier Ian Schrager encountered it. He ordered a run of similar but smokier custom candles for the Gramercy Park Hotel, which he was in the process of renovating into a fashion hotspot. Meanwhile, the Santal candles continue to take up room in Le Labo's basement. That's where I come in again. As a combination thank you and wedding gift, I got married a few months after the W piece came out, Pinot and Roshi unloaded their inventory on me and my husband, labeling each vessel with our names and stamping our wedding date instead of an expiration one. I think as a result of the Gramercy Park having that slightly tweaked candle all over, people started to become sort of obsessed with with the scent and Jane herself along with many others begged for it to be made into a perfume another fun fact that I learned from this article JLo used to order 100 of these candles a month and occasionally 200 uh just to remind you these candles cost about $80 a pop each so I'll let you do that math honey um to me that is the definition of excess like where was JLo putting all of the candles like they have a pretty strong scent so I'm like was she just handing them out left and right as hostess gifts did she have 
20 in her bathroom? Were they lining her entire bathtub? Were they on her teak fireplace? Like, hello, I don't understand. Apparently, though, in a, in a motion of restraint, she has now scaled back to 50 per month. <laughs> oh, just 50, darling. Anyway, the birth of Santal I find so, so fascinating. So one of the owners, I'm sorry, Santal is a scent. So one of the owners of Le Labo was at a packed bar in New York City watching soccer. And the man in front of him smelled so delicioso that he asked him what he was wearing. And I'm sorry, I just slaughtered that pronunciation of delicioso. Uh, The guy was French and he answers kind of embarrassed. Well, it's actually not a perfume. It's a room spray. I buy it at that little store on Elizabeth. And so uh, just... Like, in case you don't know, Le Labo, um, I guess their original location was in Nolita on Elizabeth Street. It's this very cute little store. When I've been in there, they were super rude, so mm, never been back since. Anyways, the owner says, I was like, what? The genius who made that perfume I wanted to knock off is me? Shit. He called his business partner immediately. We have our next perfume, and it has actually always been there the whole time. It's Santal. There was a glitch, though. They'd vowed never to perfume people the same way they perfumed houses, as Roshi pointed out. Turning a candle and a room spray into a fragrance would violate that oath. But Pinot was undeterred. It's time to change our minds, he says. This is it. And that, ladies and gentlemen, uh, gentleman, probably because there's probably one man listening to this, was the birth of Santal 33. And again, maybe I only find that fascinating because as I said earlier, Le Labo is the definition of making something seem bougie and French and personalized and selling it for a shit ton. And like I said, I'm guilty. I have a cologne uh, Le Labo candle currently in my bathroom. And was I um, suckered in by the fact that it says for Bailey on the label? Hell yes. I, I personalize everything I can get my hands on. I have a wine decanter from Pottery Barn that I insisted on having my name put on for an extra $10 if that tells you anything about me. I think I'm not a narcissist, but maybe I am. All right. Plumbing the Depths of Kim Kardashian West's Psyche by Hannah Gold is our next article today. So we're just going to get right into the text of the article. And actually, no, I'm going to give you a little background first. So Kim Kardashian the other day posted a Instagram explaining what she did for Kris Jenner's birthday. And in the past, Kim has always gone over the top. Uh, my favorite one is when she remade like the video from her the 80s, I think, that her mom had made called I Love My Friends, an iconic video when it was made originally. I truly think Kris Jenner has always been a mastermind, and it, that that video to me just proves it. Another thing that proves it is that in this Instagram post – uh, Kim talks about how Kris Jenner had a license plate, a vanity license plate that said to die for. The two as the numeral, die the numeral for. I mean, literally, have you ever heard of anything more iconic? I'm like maybe going to try to get that on my next license plate. To die for, it kind of works because my last name's actually four. I know I always say Bailey Evan because that's my middle name and that's what I go by on the interwebs. But yeah, to die for. Do we love? I love. Okay, back to the article. If the portal to Kim Kardashian West's psyche is through Instagram, then her post about Kris Jenner's birthday gift has torn the superego from its hinges. Kim writes in a recent Instagram post that for Kris's 64th birthday on Tuesday, she surprised her mom with a lunch in her and her siblings' childhood home, which she rented out for the day along with the many cars the family drove. 
and even, when memory served, the appropriate license plates. Not only did she rent the space, she remodeled every detail of it to look like the home as it once was, inviting her entire nuclear family to laugh and weep in the womb-like entrance of her memories. If you couldn't already tell, nothing about this experience was psychologically unencumbered, everyone crying the whole time, and Kim herself cried for days in the lead-up to giving her own idyllic childhood to her mother as a gift. I picture it as a mashup between Mommy Dearest and Tom McCarthy's remainder. Uh, so I think Hannah Gold did a really great job of recapping that. So yeah, she basically just went and I guess asked the people who currently live in the childhood home to give it up for the day and somehow track down all of these cars. And what I really took away from this article is I've, I've thought about this a lot. You know, you know how the cut does the series. I think about this a lot. Well, something I think about a lot is how do celebrities make gifts and occasions special? Because there gets to a point when you're like, how many Lamborghinis can I have? Like, I'm sorry, do I need another diamond encrusted Bentley? Is that really the key to my heart? I just, I don't know if that, it's not that sentimental at a certain point when you're like, okay, yeah, Kylie, you're a billionaire. I don't care if you get me a diamond encrusted, you know, I don't know underwear whatever she can afford anything she wants so I think this is what Kim is trying to do here so it's something that just goes behind costs and has a lot of thought behind it and I applaud her for that but to me this is honestly kind of creepy and I'd just like to point out if my family were to get their old cards it would be a lot of minivans with my sister's vom in them so yeah Kenzie could VOD vom on demand and she thought it was funny to like get in the car and vomit right away like because she didn't want to be in her car seat. So it was kind of genius. It was like she knew if she threw up, she wouldn't have to sit in the car seat anymore. So yeah, uh, just just putting it out there. I would never like this as a gift. Thank you. Goodbye. Okay, <laughs> to the next. Kenzie <laughs> said, thank you for dragging me. Well, but it's true. She did do that, okay? That's my childhood. Next article. Virginity testing is a dangerous sham by Amanda Arnold. Guys, this article is the opposite of kind of cute. It's horrifying and I cannot deal. And I first off have to say that I really like the reality show Rhythm and Flow on Netflix, which is sort of like a sexy American Idol with the hosts Chance the Rapper, Cardi B, and T.I. But honestly, after reading this, I'm not sure I can finish that show because that's how disturbed I am. So let's, let's read a little excerpt, shall we? It says, in a recent interview on the podcast Ladies Like Us, rapper T.I. was asked if he had broached the topic of sex with his two daughters. In response, he declared that he had not only had the conversation with his 18-year-old daughter, Deja, but they have had, wait, do you think the other one's Vu? Because that would be iconic. Okay, Deja. But they've had yearly trips to the gynecologist to check her hymen. Yes, he said, I go with her. What TI is referring to is known as a virginity test, a gynecological procedure intended to determine whether a woman has had vaginal intercourse, and it's not as uncommon as you might think. So basically the test that's performed by a doctor is basically seeing if the hymen is intact. And the article goes on to say, the procedure which is based on dubious science is not medically necessary and could be psychologically damaging. Over the past few years, medical professionals worldwide have started to speak out against it. And last fall, the UN and the WHO demanded a global ban on the practice. Given that these procedures are unnecessary and potentially harmful, it's unethical for doctors or other health professionals 
fighters to undertake them, the UN said in a statement. Furthermore, the investigation found that the U.S. has no laws banning the procedure nor guidelines for major, major medical associations to help physicians and nurses navigate the ethical and legal minefield that's virginity testing. Guys, do we live in the Stone Ages? Like, was it last week or the week before? I'm having to talk about, you know, being able to go get a massage and not have to worry about your regime getting touched. And now I'm having to talk about doctors legally being able to see if a girl's hymen is intact so they can tell their parent whether or not they are sexually active. Like, for one, that's just such BS because your hymen can tear and wear down from, you know, multiple things, especially like if you're wearing a tampon. Like, this girl's 18 years old. It's very likely she's wearing a tampon. So, and I'm just like, T.I., why are you so concerned? Like, why is this, like, like she's 18. She's a grown-ass adult. You don't need to be going to the gyno with her. You're a grown-ass man. Oh, I'm getting heated, y'all. Like, it's just not okay. It's not okay. Um... I don't know why this isn't something more widely talked about. Again, it just goes to show that women's health is not revered in the same way that men's is. This would never be okay if this was done to a man. <sighs> okay, and because that's so freaking dark, we have to end on a light article today. And it's called, What Was This Hairstyle by The Cut? Now, I'm not really going to go into the article because it's basically just all of like the cut editors talking back and forth about whether that little hairstyle from the early aughts like Elsie did it a lot where it was like you would take a little portion of your hair pull it back and bump it forward a little bit to like give a little volume we're not talking full snooky bump it level we're just talking like a little poof you know so I I am a fan honestly the reason this is back in our repertoire is because um Amelia Pugh is that her name she's in the I think she's in the Little Women movie coming up and on the press tour she was sporting one of these and everyone was like oh my god haven't seen that since Lauren Conrad in Laguna Beach um and I'm just here to say maybe I kind of want to try it I might wear a torque tomorrow just to, like give it a little go uh <laughs> But my favorite part is the comment section of this, which says, I think women look stupid with the bump on top of their head. Reminds me of the Mormon cults. Now, can someone explain to me what connection there is with the little bump and Mormon cults? Is that really a thing that's just completely gone over my head? Because I'm not aware of it. Uh... <laughs> Oh, guys, I'm sorry if this podcast is short today. I feel like I, this is not my best work. I'm still trying to get used to this new podcast equipment because I feel like I'm staring at a fly catcher. So, like, I'll just be trying to be serious. And all of a sudden, I just see this, like, fly catcher of doom in my face. So, hopefully, next week will be the less bumpy ride. But you know, we got to end it out with legit shit. So y'all know I love a pottery moment. I've talked about the drippy pots before. I love like when I go to a new place to get a little piece of ceramic from there. And when I was in Asheville this past weekend, I discovered this one called East Fork Pottery. And basically every restaurant we went to over the weekend uses their pottery at the restaurant. And it was just so sturdy and cool and rustic. It's it's nothing like fancy or anything and it is expensive but you know it's handmade pottery and I think it's definitely worth checking out so maybe give them a follow on Instagram check out their site they ship their pottery I just got one of their little bitty bowls but I definitely want to invest in a bigger one I think like a, maybe like a serving bowl so if you're looking for like a cute 
you know, Christmas present or if you have a connection in North Carolina or Asheville, I think it's a really great buy. So that's my legit shit for today and I will see you next week. Bye.